the Shroud of Turin is one of the most researched and studied relics in church history and profoundly impacts many who encounter its mystery. As a person of faith, looking at it through the eyes of faith, um, I don't think it can help but, uh, but touch your heart. Something that we can look on, not only to bolster our faith in those moments of weakness, but also to deepen our faith and our appreciation, our intimacy with Christ. Join Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry as they examine the science of the Shroud through the lens of faith. Really interesting scientific information that I, we didn't know about, uh, like the pollen from all the different regions of the world. That's all, as the shroud traveled around, it picked that up. Some of the mites, uh, things like that was really interesting to me. I mean, this made you really want to believe it a lot more. It's impressive. Like, humanly, I don't think, like, that is another level of love. It's not a... a, a I'm gonna see if I was like, oh, I love you, I'll give you a chocolate. No, I'm giving you more than my life. I'm giving you my suffering. Asking both experts and disciples, who do you say I am? Um, as far as who the man of the shroud is, I, as a, as a person of faith and kind of reviewing the evidence there, it, it seems that a convincing argument can be made that it's, it's Jesus of Nazareth. Visit patchworkheart.org shroud to learn more and get exclusive behind the scenes updates for your support. Welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Dan DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Patchwork Heart Ministry, Patchwork Heart Radio, and the Sewing Hope Podcast. I am Bill Snyder. It's great to be with you. Thank you so much for uh, joining me today. And I want to remind you that you can always head over to our uh, podcast website, patchworkheartradio.org, to learn more about our ministry and all about our different podcasts. We have some really cool ways you can support our ministry. And of course, we have an upcoming documentary on the Shroud of Turin uh, called uh, Who Do You Say I Am? And uh, so that's coming up. Uh, learn how you can support that and help us with that. But um, as always, I'm joined on this show by my good friend and co-host, Ann DeSantis. Ann, how are you? Awesome, Bill. It's good to be here with you to start this new series. Yeah, it's going to be a great new series, exciting uh, to be talking about something that's uh, currently going on in our church. Uh, it's been going on for a little while, not uh, too incredibly long, uh, but uh, we are in the midst of another synod, right? Uh, so we're going to be spending a couple of episodes uh, talking about the synod and, and what that means for the church and what that means for you behind uh, you know, just the, you know, your speakers, wherever you're listening to this, you know, what, what does it mean for the average Catholic um, to to be invited into participating in this synod? That's right. And the Pope called us back in 2021 as a way for the church to have an awareness to walk with those people, especially those people who feel marginalized by the church and people who possibly have left the church. And it's all of our responsibility to care about that and to bring people, invite them 
in a, in a kind way, in a good way, to invite them to come back to the Catholic Church. And so I think it was a wonderful idea of our Holy Father that he's calling it a worldwide synod, meaning that it's not just for the United States, it's not just for Italy, it's for the entire world to partake in. It's, it's a whole three-year process. It's going went on starting this past year when it went the kickoff and it ends in 2023. So um, it's, I believe, almost a, almost a, a three-year whole process. If you want to learn more about the Synod, you can go to www.synod.va. That's the Vatican website, by the way. And Synod is spelled S-Y-N-O-D. And the whole idea is, as I said, it's like kind of that walking process of being and listening and dialoguing. Um, my apologies, it is a two-year a two years. So it's 2021 to 2023. So it's not quite three years. Um, and it started in October 9th and 10th of 2021, and it ends in 2023. Um, and it's a way for all of us to come together, open up our ears, open our hearts and find out why, you know, there's, there's surveys that are going on where a lot of the churches have already sent out, whether they're paper surveys or online to ask a lot of questions about why, how do they feel about their church? And if they do feel lukewarm, what are those reasons? Yeah. And, you know, uh, Pope Francis is inviting everyone to reflect on a certain theme for the Synod, and it's for a synodal church, right? But this is what his, um, this is what his quote is about um, the mission of the Synod. It is precisely this path of synality which God expects of the church of the third millennium. This journey, which follows in the wake of the church's renewal proposed by the Second Vatican Council, is both a gift and a task. By journeying together and reflecting together on the journey that has been made, the church will be able to learn through her experience, which processes, uh, which processes can help her live her communion, achieve participation, and open herself to mission. And so it's those three words, communion, participation, and mission, but it's also this synality. And so um, what, is, what does synality mean, right? Like it's, it's this local experience of the church. Um, and, um, you know, each portion of the church being important and also being strengthened, um, so that we can all come together as a universal church, communion, participation, and mission. Uh, so it's a, it, it really is a um, beautiful way to um, renew the, the church um, through, this, through this process of participation. Um, you know, when you look at the logo for the Synod, uh, you see uh, little children, you see disabled, you see um, elderly, um, you see the bishops, uh, you see all these different people represented in this. Um, and of course, the Holy Spirit kind of above them uh, when you when you look at the Synod. Um, so, you know, I, I really, you know, uh, feel um, how how the Holy Father is calling us to these three things, communion, participation, which I think we ought to, you know, spend some time talking about. And of course, mission. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited for this, Anne. Thank you, Bill. And thank you for highlighting what you just said, because I believe that's on the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops website for people who want to check that out. Uh, communion, participation, and mission. 
let's talk about them. Let's, let's discuss them. So communion first, we think of something like our Holy Communion, right? The, the, the Eucharist, which is that bond, which is the actual body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. But it's also something even more than the Eucharist, meaning that it involves all of us. It's that communion of, of people throughout the world, both living and, and even those who are the communion of saints that are coming together. So communion is a very big part of that. And what I think what the Holy Father is doing, he's asking us to reflect on those words, communion, participation, and mission. And so I think that very first word is important because communion really isn't complete without everybody, without everybody who's a part of the church. And so we care. We care enough to ask. We care enough to do those surveys and ask people, you know, where do you think we need improvement in the church? So that's, that's a big one. So communion, participation. And I think that goes along very well with communion because participation without everyone, without those people who have also left the church or are feeling lukewarm and, and maybe even being tempted to leave, uh, to, to sit down and say, where can we make things right for you so that you feel a big part of the participation of this church? Because we are living in communities, but we are also part of that whole entire worldwide church, aren't we? And then mission. Every single person who's a member of the Catholic Church has a mission. And Bill mentioned that logo for the Synod. You see people walking. They're young people, old people, clergy, and they're all walking together. It's a, a very nice little depiction with it's colorful. If you haven't seen it yet, just you know, Google the worldwide Synod. You'll see the actual logo for it. Uh, but participation means from womb to tomb. And yeah, we even did a whole series on that from womb to tomb. But uh, from womb to tomb, meaning that every single person, whether they're that young little baby, uh, newborn baby, all the way up until the end of life, uh, are part of it. And Bill, I think I know that you probably uh, agree with that, that it's that communion, participation, and mission, and how each of us are being called, aren't we? We're all being called to be a part of it. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, um, Womb to Tomb is, uh, as you mentioned, we did that little segment on it, uh, or a two-part series, actually, on Womb to Tomb, uh, and how important it is. But, yeah, we are all a part of the Church's mission, right? We are all a part of, how do I want to say it, the... Um, we're all a part of the... The body of Christ, I think, is the best way to put it. And when one member of the body of Christ suffers, we all suffer, right? And so having an understanding of the beauty of the Catholic Church from the eyes of the other person and looking at it in a way that says, okay, um... You know, I can see what you can see, um, and you can see what I can see because we've shared our differences. And I and I think that that is a big thing that the Holy Father wants to talk about, is that you know bring all of the tradition to the community, you know, to each member of the community. You know, I I am privileged and blessed 
to live in a very diverse parish. The My home parish, I know I've talked about it before, but we have a very, very diverse church. White, Hispanic, black, um, all come together in our parish. And the diversity has meaning. Um, you know, we we celebrate with one another. We suffer with one another. Uh, so, but we also try to share the experience so we can see the church through another person's eyes, right? Like, no, I cannot be black. I cannot be Hispanic. I'm, I'm not those races. But by witnessing to the culture, right? And uh, we have a huge um, gospel mass, right? At our at our church, um, it's a gospel choir, and it's through the archdiocese. It's one of the big things the archdiocese promotes and everything, and it's it's beautiful. Um, I can while I might not live that every day of my Catholic experience, I now have that experience of living through that, right? Um, and, 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 and experiencing that each and every week I go to church at that parish, at my home parish, right? Um, and so it's this, it's this building of the body of Christ in a way that says, hey, let me share my experience with you, and then let me share my experience with you. You share yours, I share mine. And, th and that's what makes us the body of Christ, um, that's what brings us communion. Uh, that's what helps us remind ourselves, as we just talked about, and you were saying, this womb-to-tomb mentality that, that we participate in, right? Like, it's beautiful. It's beautiful what we can accomplish when we work together. And it's not about becoming the same. I, I, I want to make that very clear, you know, um, society and Satan wants to make everybody the same right you you are the same as me and I you know we, we have that big push to just uh, blend all the genders right like we have this big push in our society just to blend all these genders and you know you can uh, transition from man to ma female and female to man and go back and forth and whatever right it doesn't he, he, Satan wants to confuse and, and do that. The, the church wants to celebrate the uniqueness of each person, the uniqueness and the beauty of um, each local community. And by, by bringing that local community and showing it to the world and bringing it out and taking it out from underneath a bushel and putting it on you know, a lampstand, like th that's how... God wins, right? That's how God wins um, in our in our society. And so, showcasing our diversity, I'll never forget one of the deacons uh, I used to work with. You know, said this to me. He said, "You know, the 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 Trinity is the perfect model of unity and diversity. They're three separate persons, but yet they come together in one person, <laughs> right? Uh, so, so we we can't forget that Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three distinct uh, persons in one." Right. And so um, we, we have to model that and recognize that. And so I think, um, you know, the strength of the church is going to be shown in this um, because we will have a um, 
we, we will have a way to showcase to the world our strength um, and our beauty uh, as a unique, perfectly diverse, but perfectly uh, united as well. So well said. I'm glad you brought up both of those issues, you know, the, the issue of the, our differences and the beauty of the races, right? All the different um, racial ethnicities and, and how we can celebrate those in the Catholic Church. And I think we do that very well worldwide when you really look at the whole Catholic Church and what it's made up of all different nationalities. Um, and it's, it's just a beautiful thing. And then when it comes to the gender, like you said, our world is trying to push it so that it's almost like everything's just neutral, right? And we celebrate as Catholics, we celebrate the fact of who exactly God made us. The way that we were physically made means something to God and it means something to the whole world, um, those gifts that we have and how we can celebrate that unique biology of every single person, how they exactly how they were created. Um, we could probably do a whole nother podcast yeah. on that. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But, um, but I do think that um, in looking at the Synod, and I'm looking at the website here from the Synod VA, it says, what is the aim of the Synod? And it's intended as a synodial uh, process, synodial, synodal process. The aim of the synodal process is not to provide a temporary or one-time experience of synality, but rather to provide an opportunity for the entire people of God to discern together how to move forward on the path towards being a more synodal church in the long term. And the one last thing it says in this paragraph is a basic question prompts and guides us. How does this journey together allow the church to proclaim the gospel in according with the mission entrusted to her? And what steps does the spirit invite us to take in order to grow as a synodal church? And I think that's a, a wonderful thing because some dioceses and archdioceses in our own country are taking this very seriously, and they put out surveys to all of the parishes. I know that in my own parish, I go to St. Mary's Catholic Church in Schwinksville, PA, and we put out those surveys, and I was blessed to attend uh, webinars which would educate us on what we can look for when we look at the results for those surveys. And everybody's marked, you know, just like when you do a survey for a store or service, it maybe asks you like to do how many stars would you give this, right? Do you give it five stars or, or zero or one? And it's kind of the same thing, you know, that people were asked to judge the welcoming in their church, uh, the knowledge of the Eucharist, the programs, the pastor's homilies. I mean, everything that you can think of was ju is, is judged on these, um, on these surveys. And what they found was that a very, very high percentage of the people that did the surveys are very active people in the church. So they're not people who have, have left. They're people who do go to Sunday mass at the very least, and maybe sometimes even daily mass. But those people can really understand and see what's happening and be able to make an assessment, right? And we need to make those assessments to be able to improve because there's some churches that do a great job in one area. And in some churches, they're what they call opportunities. They try not to look at it as a negative sense, meaning you failed because they're really opportunities for growth. And so that's what I've learned so far in being a part of learning about this whole process. And, uh, and I just encourage all of you to, to learn about it too. 
I'm excited about this podcast series too, because I know we said maybe we'll do a couple, but it might expand. Who knows? We just finished a 10 part series on parenting. (laughs) And if we can find enough topics, which I I personally think we can, uh, we might be able to extend it to even more than just one or two uh, to talk about all of those areas, Right. right? We need to talk about those areas of improvement for the Catholic church. Absolutely. Um, and I think the other thing that we can, you know, maybe focus on, you know, at least at least three or four of them, because, uh, you know, we probably can do one on each of the, you know, the the themes of this communion, participation and mission. Uh, you know, so we can we can delve into each of those uh, themes, you know, nicely. And then, of course, continue on as as Anne you said, you know, learning about these these issues that challenge us as a church. Right. Like uh, it, it's so important that we take take a look at the issues that challenge us so that we can grow you know uh you know god does not want us to stop growing in faith right we need to continue to move forward in our faith and grow closer to him. I mean, every saint in the history of the church uh, can witness to that, right? That it's a continual growth process. And so if we just shove these issues and even the perceived issues that are um, out there in the church under the rug and say, yeah, we're not going to worry about that. Well, that, that doesn't help anybody. So Again, bringing bringing that you know sunlight's the best disinfectant. Bringing those um, things out into the light, showing um, you know and increasing our beauty um, through through uh, working together to address these issues. That's how we're gonna um, you know transform the church. And so, man, I'm looking forward to this series. I know we gotta wrap up here uh, shortly, but you know. I'm still looking forward to this series with you and, and uh, know that we're going to have a, have a good one uh, for, for people to continue to grow and learn and, and hopefully, um, you know, get, get uh, closer to God in the process. That's right. Getting closer to God in the process. I think that's not only the goal of you and I with our listeners here, but also it is the goal of our Holy Father and it is the goal of a lot of the archdiocese and dioceses in this country is to try to, fix what we can, right? With God's help. It's never going to be perfect. Let's face it. I mean, it won't be perfect because we live on earth and we live in a world that does include sin, unfortunately. So therefore it's not going to be this perfect church, but I think what it can be is a church of open arms, a church of, of willingness to evangelize and spread the gospel. But most of all, it's one that loves, right? That's our that is our goal of life. It's love. Because sometimes I think we, we can have a will for everyone to be catechized and know their faith. And, but some of those reasons, what I learned when I attended these, you know, couple of webinars is that some, a lot of those reasons, I would say some of them and a lot of them have to do with welcoming, have to do with how people feel when they're there, have to do with you know, maybe the way that the outreach at that church, do they feel that it's a place they belong? Because if they don't feel that way, they're not going to go. Yeah. Um, and, and we pray that they do. 
we pray that they come back because they're wanted and their gifts and their talents are needed too to spread the gospel mission. Amen. Well, Anne, this has been great. And so uh, thank you. And I look forward to doing another episode with you on this. And uh, we'll just keep moving forward. But folks, as always, you can uh, reach out to us at sowinghope@patchworkheart.org. That's our email. Reach out to us, send us an email, say hello. Um, let us know what you think of the show and uh, you know how we can uh, help serve you in our ministry here at Patchwork Heart Ministry. Uh, but no, uh, this has been wonderful, Anne. Thank you and uh, look forward to next week. Same to you, Bill. See you then. All right, folks. Well, thank you so very much for listening. And until next time, keep beating to your Catholic heart and sowing hope into those broken hearts. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sowing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at Ministry or Andy Santos too. Today, many students go to college with numerous questions about their faith, yearning to know if the seed planted in them as a child is both true and practical. Using the miracle on the road to Emmaus as a model, young adult ministers conversed weekly for three months with college students about the most pressing questions they had about the Catholic faith. As they journeyed together virtually, something amazing happened. Doubts disappeared, fears faded, and Jesus revealed that He is still alive. Hearts Burning Within Us, the latest book from Patchwork Heart Ministry is a result of that grace-infused conversation. It is the perfect back-to-school gift for recent high school graduates and current college students. Get your copy for them today at patchworkheart.org or by calling 424-704-3278. That's 424-704-3278. The Shroud of Turin is one of the most researched and studied relics in church history and profoundly impacts many who encounter its mystery. As a person of faith, looking at it through the eyes of faith, um, I don't think it can help but, uh, but touch your heart. Something that we can look on not only to bolster our faith in those moments of weakness, but also to deepen our faith and our appreciation, our intimacy with Christ. Join Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry as they examine the science of the Shroud through the lens of faith. Really interesting scientific information that I, we didn't know about, uh, like the pollen from all the different regions of the world. That's all, as the Shroud traveled around, it picked that up. Some of the mites, uh, things like that was really interesting to me. I mean, this made you really want to believe it a lot more. It's impressive. Like, humanly, I don't think, like, that is another level of love. It's not a, a, a unsympathetic, oh, I love you, I'll give you a chocolate. No. I'm giving you more than my life. I'm giving you my suffering. Asking both experts and disciples, who do you say I am? Um, as far as who the man of the shroud is, 
I, as a, as a person of faith and kind of reviewing the evidence there, it, it seems that a convincing argument can be made that it's, it's Jesus of Nazareth. Visit patchworkheart.org shroud to learn more and get exclusive behind the scenes updates for your support.